overproduced, you know, over sampled. Yeah. Trying to figure out where it is that that song distinguishes itself from another song. Yeah. But that's that's not necessarily the right way to think about it. <laughs> but I don't know how to get out from under that mm-hmm. first impression. I think mm-hmm. if I listen carefully, if I understood how the, 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 the artist put the song together or knew somewhere in their background. Okay! Welcome back to Half Baked with Claire and... And I have a really special guest today. Hey, Claire. Good to be here. Dad. Okay. So today, I guess I just wanted to talk to you about um, what it's like to have a job, but then also have a passion that you knew you had from a really young age and then deciding to continue to pursue that, even though not necessarily it's like paying off right away in big bucks but yeah okay yeah well it definitely didn't pay off in big bucks but <laughs> playing in a rock band had been part of my extracurricular life when I was in school for how long just to give them uh, Since a timeline eighth grade yeah and eighth grade was a long time ago through the floor yeah that was your first hit that was my first hit with my brother singing. With pots and pans. Yep, coffee cans. Yeah. And uh, so we started there, mm-hmm. um, but then having lots of different versions of bands and music yeah. was really important. And I also worried that the music was getting in the way of my studies sometimes because I didn't, you know, if I was practicing with a band that I wasn't working on a paper and mm. things like that. But I couldn't not do it, so I continued to do it all the way through, uh, even at past college into graduate school, I had a band. But when I started working, at the end of all that, I had some other jobs, but they were much smaller. Mm-hmm. But when I started working uh, in teaching, then I stopped for a long time playing any music because I thought that that was something I, that was something that was in the way of uh, what it meant to be getting settled and growing up and mm-hmm. buying a house and doing yeah. all that stuff, getting a family. So I stopped and I only picked up the guitar uh, when I really felt I had to and then I felt frustrated because I wasn't able to come up with new songs and I wasn't able to play quite the way I could before mm-hmm. um, and all that kept going and going and going for a long time so it really I stopped for about 30 years yeah but I and and having a job was good and that filled that filled a big hole I think <laughs> because a job I don't know because it I mean, use the made words, money made money that's a big hole yeah if you don't have financial anything coming in then you don't have that financial freedom to say oh I want to do this or yeah I you know why don't we eat out tonight or yeah. whatever yeah. or even to have a family yeah or do or anything so once that was all established I knew where money was coming from because I had a job a regular salary job 
Uh, and that's a big change too, because some people are working multiple jobs because mm -hmm. it's more of a gig economy. And I'm definitely not. Yeah. Being a professor is a very old school job right now. <laughs> that might change someday, but um, so uh, that got all settled. But I felt something was missing, and that's where I think it's important to to pay attention to what you think is your own passion. Mm-hmm. When it comes back to you and you see that you are missing it and that it fulfills something that's a lot different from a job um, or activities that you're doing with your family or as a whole or, or whatever, then it's much better to listen to that. Because mm -hmm. once I did and finally got back into music, back into songwriting, back into performing, it made me feel in some ways mm -hmm. or it made me feel satisfied about everything else that I was doing too yeah so how long have you been back in it for a couple of years been playing um, writing songs uh, playing around uh, around Greensboro um, and that's been really really satisfying and you came and your sister came yeah to shows. your gigs yep did you feel like there was some sort of sign that told you, like, now is the right time? Like, now you are stable enough to go to it? Or do you think it just built up after years and years and years of being like, I, I'm i doing all of, like, the by-the-book things that I need to do. And then you kind of, it just, like, dawned on you that maybe, oh, this is, I just have to do it. Like, what made you start yeah, again? I think it really was... I think it was the latter. I think it was the, that it was it was the building up to the point where I felt I needed to do it because I was living kind of by the book. I mean, I was doing mm -hmm. my job. I started doing things in my job that were took a lot more responsibility and involved more um, compensation in a money sense, mm -hmm. but took away time and took away. Yeah. A lot of my emotional energy, too. Yeah. Because you were really upset when you were head of the department. <laughs> well, I, was, I wasn't was always upset. I was upset at some parts of it. Um, it well, that's was, not what you like to do. You don't like to boss people around. No. That wasn't what I, you know, that's not my real strength is bossing other people around. Yeah. I think I did an okay job at it, but yeah. I don't think it was something that was is natural to me so I had to put myself out in a different way mm -hmm. um, but I don't um, I don't regret having having done it and served mm -hmm. that you know for one term doing that yeah but I think that there you have to discover things about yourself and, and I knew that if, the, if that's all that was going on if it was just the job and that mm -hmm. was going to be it and this is how life was going to be mm -hmm. it was going to be hard to feel completely uh, to feel a balance in life yeah because creativity is is a different kind of energy uh -huh. whatever it is that you do often if there's a creative element to it it's gonna it's gonna energize you in a way that's different than the, the, the part where you're teaching and giving to yeah. others or being an administrator and trying to hold an organization together and mm -hmm. having to do all the bossing around people and yeah. paperwork and all that stuff, which is an important skill. 
but being creative that comes out of you it's a different side of your brain too so if you're not like yeah. it's like anything physical if you're not working out that part then it's just gonna feel floppy and then the balance like if you never work out your legs and you only work out upper body then you're gonna feel lopsided yeah so yeah. you so. probably just felt like like anybody feel lopsided because you keep using the part of your brain that is the intellectual side and knows that like if i do this then this will happen it's kind of like clear cut but with creativity there's no like road map really it's kind of just like you put yourself out there and if it comes back to you then it comes back to you but yeah. it's kind of like the the joy of just doing it yeah yeah creativity is a different kind of problem solving too when you're doing work type problems and usually they have really strict rules and you mm -hmm. have to you have to do, file this paperwork at a certain time, make sure that yeah. grades are submitted and stuff like the that. The bureaucratic shit. But somebody has to do that. Somebody has to, <laughs> and sometimes in our lives we all have to do some of that, but it, that's all it is in problem solving. It's not the open-ended problems of yeah. writing a song or trying mm -hmm. to come up with something that sounds really good in a particular section of an mm -hmm. old song or mm -hmm. trying to reinterpret rock song as an acoustic song and things like that. Mm -hmm. Those kind of problems are really open-ended and then you have to make up the rules when yeah. you're doing it. Do you set aside time? Do you make sure you set aside time to do your um, creative stuff? Because like when sometimes I feel like you can get lost, well at least I do, if I have one task I can't get lost in doing that until it's done and then continuing to do tasks with that same vein. So do you put, do you like actually categorize time and being like, Saturday I'm not going to do anything that has to do with work related intellectual stuff. I'm going to just do songwriting or does it come like more naturally and you're like when it hits you or when the need to practice your guitar or like pick it up or whatever when it hits you then it hits you and you start doing it or do you put aside time to do it it's sort of a combination um because uh, some some days saturday feels like a free day because all day i had been in the office and i was doing office work mm -hmm. um this year because i'm working on a book then every day feels pretty similar and so mm -hmm. a set Saturday doesn't feel quite as as um, you know I don't don't kind of wall it off as a pl as a special day for just taking it easy mm -hmm. um, but I do every week schedule a time to play with others play guitar mm -hmm. with other songwriters and I think that that has been a really big um, help for me because that does put some of schedule on it and then when I'm open to when an idea comes to me I'm free now to be able to say well in a few hours I can put some time aside and mm -hmm. work on a song and and kind of use that creative energy at that time but it all depends on what the day looks like if, if it's all day at school and then I'm coming back uh, only on the weekends, have mm -hmm. the time during the day to do stuff like that. Then, 
that's what I, that's how I have to use that time. Mm -hmm. I envy some uh, friends of mine in other places that keep a guitar in their office. Oh. But um, I couldn't quite do that. <laughs> Why <Maybe>. not? <laughs> I don't know. You just start strumming away? Start jamming out? Maybe I do. I have, I have a guitar day. I could bring in just, just to hang out. <laughs> just to hang out. And then a student comes in, they're like, uh, they have to sing a verse. Have a <laughs> <laughs> they have to sing their question. Yeah, I will okay. undo it. Okay. It has to rhyme and they have to sing okay. it in the key of G. Oh, word. Nice. How do you write songs? Do you do you keep a notebook? Do you put in your notes? I, like some songwriters in interviews, they're like, Oh yeah, sometimes it comes in the middle of the night and I have to put it in the notes on my phone or else it like immediately leaves my brain. I have because uh, I'm older, <laughs> I have a paper notebook where I've had a lot of ideas that I've written down mm -hmm. over time, it's like a chord progression or some lines in the song. Mm -hmm. um, but more recently, I've also started do using um, message in my phone and and um, recording word sections of the songs. <clears throat> so that's that's useful, but I have, to, I have to label them quickly or else I forget what it is that I did. <laughs> and I also still have to write down the chord progression yeah. because even if I play it and I hear it, you can't. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it was that I did. Yeah. What do you think is the easiest part about songwriting? Which is the part that comes the most, the easiest to you? Uh, easiest for me is coming up with the the song, like the chord progression and kind of a general melody. That's mm. the easiest part. And then the hardest part is coming up with the lyrics? Yeah, that's the hardest part. What do you think... Because your lyrics... I don't know. Your songs are good, so... When you're writing your lyrics, what are you thinking about? Like, is it usually, like, thinking about a certain time in your life? Like, a certain scene? Or is it kind of... Yeah, what are you thinking? I think, yes, I'm thinking about a particular scene and then all the emotions that were around that scene and then mm. trying to describe the emotions mm -hmm. of that particular scene as I remember them. So they mm. might be different than it was when I was experiencing it or I might be heightening some of the emotions just to make it yeah. the song. So do you have like a lot of melodies in the back of your head and you just pair them up with the lyrics when they come? Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Ah. I have lots of different pieces of songs and, and I have some that worked once and I don't feel like they're working as well. I kind of set them aside. Mm -hmm. Or songs that I kind of treat like Frankenstein and I oh, chop up like chop them up and put, put them into together. new songs. Yeah. Are there any, are there any melodies that you've had like since the time before you stopped for 30 years? Like, are there melodies that you just haven't used yet? And then now, now that you're back into again, you remember these melodies? Yeah, I have a song from the late 80s that I'm trying to bring back to life and uh, it's resisting. How is that? It doesn't... It, it's a little bit like a sentence, and I can't put a period on the song. I can't put a period mm. on it. 
it doesn't seem to end and flow all the way from beginning to end, although it has some really nice sections in the middle. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just because you're in a different mindset now? Like, you've experienced so much more? Yeah, I had a, a much simpler picture of the song when I was back then in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And... And for me, I was, I thought of, I was listening to lots of old music, which at that point was Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really listened to a lot of Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I'm as old as Bob Dylan was <laughs> back, I'm older than he is back then. So everything feels old. So when you were writing it in the 80s, you were kind of trying to like picture yourself as an old person? Yeah. And then now that you actually are an old person, you're like... Whoa, what Whoa. the heck? <laughs> yeah. I was like play acting at who I am now. And I yeah. wonder if I would cast myself still as that character of who I am now. How did you picture yourself when you were that age? Being wise and somewhat cynical. That's pretty much what you are. That's what happened. That's what happened. I wasn't so wise and I was just falsely cynical back then. Falsely cynical? How can you be falsely cynical? Well, I was cynical, but I, I couldn't really see that. It wasn't backed up by actual, like, bad shit happening to you? It's yeah. kind of like, well, I don't trust anybody. That kind of, yeah. <laughs> it was fun to do it back then, because then you could be really bitter, but... <laughs> what do you think the, the emotion behind a lot of your songs are, if you were to say? Um... Some of it's hoping for something, mm-hmm. hoping for someone to make a connection with somebody or mm-hmm. make a connection with some idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and loss in some cases, but mostly um, mostly it's on the side of hope and less on the side of loss. Mm. You mentioned Bob Dylan. What other people do you listen to a lot and you kind of want to like emulate or you kind of get a lot of inspiration from well a lot of people now that I listen to are well they're not all younger than I am some are kind of the same age but inspired by a whole new generation of, of singer of the songwriters who have some kind of an acoustic basis for their music because I used mm-hmm. to play much louder music when I was younger. <laughs> much louder than Now music. It's, it's become kind of a mix of loud and acoustic and electric, loud and soft. Mm-hmm. So not quite as punk rock as it was before. Because now you use GarageBand sometimes in some of your songs. Yep. And with GarageBand, I can pretend I'm in a full band again, mm. which is fun. But it also is frustrating because it makes me feel sad that I'm not in a full, full band yeah. all the time. Mm. That might change. That's my next goal. But to get um, a full band, to get a full band together and play that way. Um, but that takes a lot more work mm-hmm. to hold a band together. It's basically like being in a relationship with all these people. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So I think that I listen to to younger people. Listen to. Um, well, they may not seem young to you, but bands like Wilco, uh-huh. listen to Beck, and kind of later, yeah, Beck, 
listen to um, uh, the band War on Drugs. Oh, okay. I don't know them. They're good. <laughs> that's that's more in vain of what I'm trying to record mm-hmm. nowadays. War on Drugs. That was an inspiration from Tom, whose studio I've been recording at. And mm-hmm. Gave me a, some insight into a band that's, you know, not necessarily people born in, <laughs> in the 50s and 60s. So it's, it makes it a lot more uh, uh, interesting to have a whole other range of people to, to mm-hmm. listen to. But more of the bands I listened to were the bands that were, became popular in the mid early and mid 80s and then kind of carried on so mm-hmm. you've got that's where you have Wilco coming out of Uncle Tupelo mm-hmm. and Sun Vault and um, some of those other bands do you think about your age a lot I didn't used to until I think when I hit 50 I started thinking more about what age I am instead of just who I am and what I'm doing yeah um, then when I had I mean, even earlier, I had children, and that kind of changed the fact that there were people much younger than me that were important in my life, instead of just me, and then I didn't have to think about what age uh, I was during that time. Do you think it, do you think thinking about your age like that helps you, or do you think it, like, has any effect on you, negative or positive? I don't think it, I don't think it, I don't think it helps most of the time, because most things we do in life aren't based on age mm-hmm. but there are things that come with age um, that's important to remember like now that I've started uh, rowing again that was mm-hmm. another big big thing for me when I was younger physically it's not possible for me to be in the same category that I was when I was much younger and mm-hmm. and physically active um, so I have to remember that age does bring that physical difference. But in another in other case, it's a lot of it has to do with your state of mind. Mm-hmm. We all imagine we're much younger than we are. <laughs> so really? You think so? In some ways, you imagine that, and then you don't realize what other people how other people perceive you as you get much older. I think at some point it probably switches because I feel like a lot of people my age or even like when I was younger, I thought I was a lot older and more mature than I actually thought I was, than I actually was. Like I was 16 and I was thinking like, oh, I have to have my stuff together, blah, 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 blah. I need to be, I need to know what I want to do when I grow up. I needed all of these things and like constantly thinking about being older. Did you not feel that way when you were younger? Yeah. Or you just don't remember? I don't really remember it clearly. <laughs> I know I must have um, been the same way because I wanted to know what I was going to do after college, mm-hmm. well before I started college. Yeah. So I didn't know what that was going to be, and I had all these imagined ideas. But it turned out to be fine. But you think now, you think you think you're younger than you actually are? I think I'm younger. I mean, I think that I have... I remember talking to... This is when I first started teaching. Mm-hmm. And maybe it comes with the insecurity of just starting in a job where you, you're the 
authority figure in you know in the classroom anyway at yeah. that moment and talking to students about music mm -hmm. and for them to be looking blankly at me <laughs> what was this old man prattling on about we don't know any of the things that he's talking about any of these bands mm -hmm. i didn't think but even there's so many bands now that i can be talking to people my age and they don't know the bands that i'm talking about you know that's true. I think it could have been your age, but it also could have been like they had a different taste in music. So it wasn't like they were like, this is an ancient old man that's talking to me about music. They're just like, I've never heard of that band before. It could be. I was talking about Nirvana at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. They didn't know. Well, now you could talk to people my age and people would know about Nirvana. Do you find that it's weird that a lot of people are like, grasping on to the bands when you were like when they were still together they were making music actively yeah. you were young you were into them yeah do you find it weird that people like young people now now that you're as old as you are are like grasping onto them and feeling as i don't know like as excited about them even though they're so old oh uh, well I have my own example of plenty of bands, like listening to Bob Dylan, for one thing. Mm -hmm. He's a, a mainstay of popular music. Um, most people now probably don't think about him because he's so old. They only know <laughs> songs show up occasionally in movies and yeah. places like that. But when I started listening to him, he was already, you know, in, in superstardom. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to his earliest recordings and get really excited about him just on an acoustic guitar mm -hmm. and didn't realize that you know i i could have talked to any number of my uh, dad's cousins who in the 60s would have listened to bob dylan when yeah. they were young and he was young yeah and i realized that you know i had missed that whole that whole generation so i got attracted to music from somebody who was already in a different place by the time i got in Mm -hmm. interested in. So I can understand being fascinated by a band that was really big 20 years ago, mm -hmm. like Nirvana. So you don't get angry, like some boomers do. They're like, no. get away! Get away from it! You do not understand the struggle? You weren't there. No, I don't, I don't get angry. I mean, anyone who gets excited about good music is it's cool. <laughs> yeah, but you have a very specific taste in music. Like, you think anything else outside of that is not good music i probably inherited that from my dad <laughs> like sometimes i i wonder if you even can listen to something that you might not necessarily think like immediately resonate to because i feel like you have really strong opinions on things yeah like all of your opinions are strong they're not kind of like oh whatever like there's very few things that you're neutral about so when it comes to listening to music you hear something you're like that's shit. Like, sometimes I wonder if you can even, like, picture why someone else would like it. Oh, that's really, that's a good point. <laughs> because I do have, I have my own self-image, which is that yeah. I'm very open to yeah. other ideas and other musics. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a long period where I did absorb a lot of, mm -hmm. of music. But I also have a this strain of saying that well super popular music there's something wrong with it because, yeah. of, because of x yeah and so anything that's super popular 
Yeah, so I didn't want to be un the unpopular, the yeah. kind of like the, the niche yeah. music. And, of course, at the same time, when you don't realize it, but over the same period of time, you're absorbing that pop music, too. So mm -hmm. I find when I'm writing music, sometimes it, I, little pieces of pop songs show up in my songs, and I'm like, mm. where did that come from? And I realized then that I did absorb that same music. So I would say that, like, maybe some element of Lady Gaga will come <laughs> in my music someday. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What are some very current, are there any very current artists that you like? Very, you like Lizzo. Yeah, I like Lizzo. <laughs> we're going to see what's going to happen on the Grammys. Yeah. For her. Mm-hmm. Um, and you liked Ed Sheeran. I like Ed Sheeran. I think he's pretty, he's pretty good at putting together songs. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else? Because sometimes I, like, point out songs when we're in the grocery store, and I'm like, hey, Dad, who's that? And you just say random stuff. You, like, if you hear anybody rapping, no matter, like, what, even if it's a woman rapping, you'll be like, is that Drake? <laughs> well, well I, some, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a better idea. I did earlier on, if we were talking about going back to, um, like, the Sugar Hill Gang and so mm, Yeah. Late 70s into 80s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. Then I had a better understanding uh, of music. All the way, really, it, just that at, at that point I was still really absorbed in like cultivating my own musical mm -hmm. taste. And so I think that. Um, when do you think that ended? Like, when did you stop? I, I bet for nearly everybody. Yeah. If you're really trying to develop a taste in music, mm -hmm. that by the time you get to your end of your college years, you found it. You found it. And you're not you're always gonna be referring back to mm. that as your aesthetic yeah. for music. And I don't think anyone really can develop much more beyond that. Mm. So you end up with a kind of set idea of what music is. Yeah. Even if you think to yourself, Oh, I'm still really open minded about music. Yeah. You think, Oh, this sounds super produced <laughs> or this sounds like anyone could sing it. That yeah. kind of old man type of impressions about music. That is that how you feel me. about most music now? It is pretty much how I think about most music. Just overproduced? Overproduced, you know, oversampled. Yeah. Trying to figure out where it is that that song distinguishes itself from another song. Yeah. But that's, that's not necessarily the right way to think about <laughs> it. But I don't know how to get out from under that mm -hmm. first impression. I think mm -hmm. if I listen carefully, if I understood how the, 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 the artist put the song together or knew somewhere in their background who they are and what they were doing and what they were thinking. Mm -hmm. Back when I used to read a lot about musicians and their, mm -hmm. in that way and try to get their inside story. If I did that for a new generation of musicians, maybe then I would be... Like I'd be into Billie Eilish or something <laughs> like that because I knew something great about... No, I think that's valid, out. though. I think the more you know about anybody, the less likely you're going to dislike them. Like, I strongly believe that. Yeah. So if you go deep dive into anybody, you'll be like, oh, this person's not that bad because they become more human 
to you. Yeah. But you just don't, because you've already you've already done all of the stuff that I'm doing right now is trying to find what you like and doing the explore exploration part. Yeah. So you're kind of like, do you just feel tired? You just don't want to do that anymore. It gets it's a lot of energy <laughs> expended, and then other things get in the way. So yeah. I've, I've been able to come back to it a little bit more during this point where mm -hmm. I'm writing songs and thinking about songs again. Yeah. But that's true. You get tired. Yeah. And then you fall back on old impressions. Yeah. Because it's easier. But if it was your job, then you would be, you would be looking for other artists. If know? it was my job. Like, there are people your age that work in the industry, the music industry, and then they, because it's their job, yeah. they don't have those, like, prejudices against Things. Right, but they have their, they have another whole separate set of prejudices. Yeah. What's going to work in the market? Yeah. Who's going to get clicks? You know, who's going to be listening to this song? You know, if they stream this particular song mm -hmm. with this beat, is this going to be it's up against these other songs? That mm -hmm. everything everything has its criteria. Yeah. And I'm just setting my own criteria, like what mm -hmm. I like, what I want to be inspired by. What is that criteria? Well, that's a problem because they use terms to describe it, like being honest and, mm -hmm. and an honest emotion and mm -hmm. um, good songwriting. Mm -hmm. But what is that? <laughs> Those are two subjective, very subjective terms. Yeah, but what do you think it is, Dad? Like, it's I think it's what I think it is is someone yeah. singing, and you can hear that person's real, raw emotion at some level in the yeah. song. Or someone who's clever enough to create an, a song that captures mm -hmm. that feeling. And also a, a songwriter who's knowledgeable about all of music that came before him, whether it's popular music or some mm -hmm. other. They're writing songs because they understand how music fits together, how songs go together, and how mm -hmm. musicians have persuaded people in the past, entertained them, communicated to them. Like what they really... They have they have some background to what they're doing, mm -hmm. even if they are trying to uh, to to rebel against that by doing something in a completely different and new way. Mm -hmm. I think that's a problem of having gone through high school and into college during the punk rock era. Where everyone thought music was being reinvented back in then. We look back on it now and say, no, it really was just being kind of cannibalized by yeah. other people, and they wanted to make it sound quirky and new, but in fact it was really still the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so once you, as long as you're, the songwriter is honest and aware of where they fit into music. Mm -hmm. Well, going back to what you said about the quirkiness and it actually, actually, the word actually being some other way than what people thought it was, don't you think it's kind of just whatever the person, their intentions are when it comes to art? Yeah. Like, their intention be. is to be quirky. Their intention is to reinvent music, blah, blah, blah. And even, like, but is there, is there an actual actuality? Like, is there a real, is there, like, a, I'm just asking a philosophical question. Yeah. Is there an actual truth? I don't you know? think everything. I don't think that. Or is it just everything's subjective? A facade. I don't think everything is a subjective facade, like a cover. Mm 
on top of an emptiness that's behind <laughs> all things. I, I think that at some point there's a real, a raw emotion or an essential truth of human nature that a person can tap into and mm -hmm. they may not even understand it completely themselves but the song captures enough so the other person who hears it interprets it from their own life mm -hmm. and makes a connection to themselves and so on so I don't like music that's all about um, I don't like music that's all about exploiting others <laughs> I don't like music that's all about predatory behavior and exploring <laughs> other <laughs> I don't like because I think that that's music for with a false on a false premise. Yeah. And so so any so that's really you know to be honest and to not just because uh, I think the quirkiness sometimes can be a it it's it is that was a facade that was mm -hmm. pre pretending to be new and really the songs themselves or the writing or the thinking behind it was nothing new and it was just derivative of other people just copying older music. You listen to so a lot of punk beginning? rock music and you can hear 50s, you know, 1950s chord progressions just sped up. Well then they, the 50s, those chord progressions came from somewhere else. So do you think there's an actual like beginning beginning? I think there are a series of chord progressions, if you go back to just the basics of music, that chords in a certain key, they were resolved, you know, so one, four, five, mm -hmm. those chords are, are important to all music because you want to have music have a beginning and an end. And so yeah. you start in a certain key, you have to have a resolving chord yeah. at the end and so on. Well, I'm just talking about how you, I just think it's interesting that you think it was a facade. Like the, the quirkiness of the punk rock age that you really love, you, yep. you thought that was a facade. But like, I don't, I, I guess I don't agree that there's like, there's an actual real truth. I think it's completely subjective to people because i think people can legitimately i think soundcloud rack, rappers some of them legitimately think they're making real art you know like they're actually doing some stuff that has never been done before well, and it and they it's their truth even if it's not actually like if someone could like very easily send them an email being like hey you didn't come up with this there's so much so many other people before you that have come up with this mm -hmm. but because in that moment they didn't know that information they a hundred percent thought they came up with that okay but what music needs two sides it needs the the musician the creator and it needs the the recipient of it the listener mm -hmm. the person who's going to reinterpret it for themselves but if the person who hears it says i heard that same chord progression i heard that same rap in this other song or in the it that phrase you're using mm -hmm. sounds just like somebody else that I and and so they won't they won't resonate for that person that song won't mm -hmm. it doesn't take the doesn't take that person the listener someplace new mm -hmm. and 
that means that the, the creator, the musician, is just creating in a very tiny little fishbowl just for themselves. And that doesn't seem important. No matter what music we're talking them, about. Why is it like I it's important to them. Why um, does it matter? It maybe doesn't matter, but <laughs> then then to then sharing it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really need to be shared. If it's to them it's almost like uh it's a kind of a little present to yourself, just or or a very small mm-hmm. group of people. Well, like, for example, people could say this, that about what we're doing right now, what I'm doing. Like, the idea that I'm making a podcast. Yeah. Who, why, like, if I don't believe in it enough, then nobody else will. Yeah. Because I'll not, I'll, I won't continue to make things, you know? Just the same way as you, you writing songs. Yeah. It's not like it's never, ever been done before right and like it's not like nobody has ever talked about love ever yeah before you right with this chord progression with these chords maybe not in the same order but like because you believe in it enough yeah i think other people are attracted to other people believing in themselves that much i can see that because people just latch on to the energy of happiness that they see in other people yeah because we're very social creatures yeah so it's not like i guess i'm just going against what you said because that thought process of being like is this important enough for me to share it and like questioning just your basic wants to continue to do this yeah then i don't think that's fair to like put okay. that much pressure on well, yourself or other other people. That probably brings out the perfectionist in me, and that's not helpful too. So, I think. Hi. <laughs> I'm having a deep toe. <laughs> We're making a podcast, mom. I'm recording. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, dad. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Thanks, Claire. It was nice to be able to talk. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Talk to you next week.